Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Habits. In this series, we are focusing on habits that we can implement into our routine that bring focus and health into our spiritual, emotional, and physical lives. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Last year, Pastor Kerry Newhoff released a book entitled Didn't See It Coming. Now, uh, I read it, and it was, what attracted me was the subtitle. So let me tell you what the subtitle is. Overcoming the seven greatest challenges that no one expects and everyone experiences. In his book, he writes about his own experience with burnout. You see, in 1995, Carrie and his family moved to Oro, Ontario, Canada, which is about an hour north of Montreal. Uh, He went there to pastor three very small churches with a combined attendance of less than 50 on a Sunday morning. But within five years, those three congregations had decided to work together to reach people who were far from God. And so they decided to close those three churches and become one church. And so they did that. They launched that church, and they quickly grew to 300 people on Sunday morning, and they began to attract people from as far as an hour away. And through all of this process, Carrie had a young family that was uh, growing, and he was becoming a a sought-after speaker. And he writes about after coming home from a conference where he had spoke to over 2,500 pastors and leaders these words. He said, in many ways, I felt like I was at the top of the world. I had just spoken at one of the most influential churches in the United States, and apparently I had done well. I was leading the fastest growing in one of the largest churches in our denomination in Canada. Our ministry had attracted national attention, which apparently was expanding into international attention. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? Nothing prepared me for what happened next. When the plane touched down in Toronto, I felt as if I had fallen off a cliff. Throughout my 30s, people told me that if I wasn't careful, I would burn out. Now, I wasn't the best learner because I thought, well, I'm smarter than everybody else. Other people might burn out, but I knew myself well enough that it would never happen to me. I thought I had come to the edge of burnout a few times, but I had seen the precipice each time, and I had managed to pull myself back from the edge. I had gotten some rest. I had taken a vacation. I had scaled back my hours for a season, and then voila, problem solved. I thought I could just do that forever until I couldn't. You know, the reality is this, whether it's burnout or just fatigue. Humans need rest. Today we're going to be digging into the habit of Sabbath keeping, okay? So in this series called Habits, Intentional Choices for Busy Lives, we're looking at the fact that there are some scriptural habits that we're called to embrace, not because there's something else we should add to our lives, but because God has a divine purpose for them. And so as we look at them, I want us to learn about them and and helpfully grow and understand. 
So today we're going to go back to the beginning of creation where, where God created a model for us to follow. And we'll see that this narrative from the book of Genesis, the first two chapters, is something that speaks to us. Because after God created the universe, after God made the animals and humans, we read that he did something very important. He rested. All right, so let's go to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to put that up on the screen. It says this, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, later on in Scripture, we learn that God called the seventh day the Sabbath, and we read specifically in the book of Exodus that God gave it to us as a day of rest. And, and you know, when you study the scriptures about the Sabbath, you'll see that it was supposed to be a day for everyone in the community of faith to rest from their labors. And there's no delineation of work that was to be rested from. Whether it was work outside of the house or work in the house, it was supposed to be a day to rest and cease from working. So Scripture is very intentional. You see that God instructs people that on the day before the Sabbath, they need to make enough food so that during the Sabbath day, they wouldn't have to be any cooking or, or food prep because it was a day for everybody to rest from their labor. Now, the idea of keeping the Sabbath to rest from work is also a part of Christian faith. Uh, just so we uh, sort of understand what happened in, in Christianity, Christians moved the Sabbath day from uh, sundown on Friday to sundown on Sunday, which is when uh, people who practice Judaism recognize the Sabbath day. They moved it as a celebration to be held on Sunday, the first day of the week, because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And so uh, in Christianity, we, we celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday. Now, if you're like me, if you're old enough to remember something called Blue Laws, anybody remember Blue Laws? Yeah. Um, I still remember growing up with Blue Laws, and if you don't know what they are, basically Blue Laws were regulations about what could be done or not done on Sunday, on the Sabbath. And because of those blue laws, um, non-essential work was regulated by the government. You couldn't do that. So think this through if you're uh, uh, in your 20s and 30s. You couldn't go to the movies. Theaters weren't open. Uh, you, you couldn't buy gas at many places because gas stations weren't open. You couldn't go to the mall because the malls were closed. You couldn't go shopping. You couldn't go out to eat. Because restaurants would be closed. There would generally only be uh, one essential kind of uh, uh, quick market where you could go and get some essential foods or fill up your gas tank if you needed gas for an emergency situation like that. And, and that was just the norm. And now, as, uh, as life has progressed in my lifetime, uh, those blue laws have gone away. In fact, uh, if you remember just a couple of years ago here in the state of Connecticut, Probably the last blue law was removed from the books, which said package stores couldn't be open on Sundays. And then that was removed, and, and uh, now they can be open on Sundays. So uh, I grew up knowing about blue laws and experiencing that. And, and my dad was, um, 
that was one of those places where he just was not going to uh, deviate. So, you know, if weather was bad on Saturday and he didn't get the grass mowed and it was a beautiful sunny day on Sunday, he would not mow the grass. He would wait until Monday. And it was one of those things that, that I had trouble as a kid understanding, but he did it out of his devotion to God. Now, as I tried to wrap my head around that, I also had the experience of having grandparents who were dairy farmers. Um, And, you know, dairy farmers don't get a day off. You know, the cows still have to be fed twice a day, and uh, the herd has to be milked twice a day. And so I always remembered what my dad would say, but I could remember we would go to my grandparents on Sunday afternoon, and and, uh, almost without fail, after the, the big meal my grandmother would serve, My grandfather would uh, be asleep in the recliner and take a nice long nap. But by 4 p.m., he was back over at the barn uh, rounding up the herd to do the evening milking again. So, uh, you know, my my dad was telling me one thing, but I was experiencing another thing because I couldn't quite wrap my head around this. So, you know, we have to understand that even when uh, government regulated those things, there were still some things that um, had to be done to take care of livestock and such. So just a fun fact, you know, one of the things that I've realized as when we moved to New England 20 years ago is that so much of the history of this country comes out of New England. And so as I was preparing for this message this week, I said, well, I wonder where Blue Laws got the name Blue Laws. Um, And so, shock of all shocks, it got its name in New Haven, Connecticut. In Samuel Peter's General History of Connecticut, published in 1781, it tells us that in New Haven, the Sabbath regulations were published on what color paper? Blue. Thus, blue laws. So that's enough history. Uh, Let's look at why this habit of Sabbath keeping is so important that God would give us this day and tell us to rest on it. It's not just a day off work. It's not just a day to take a nap. There's a purpose behind keeping the Sabbath. So we're going to look at three purposes today. Here's the first one. The Sabbath is a day to remember. It's a day to remember. Now, when God gave Israel the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment was this. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock and foreigners who live among you. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. And that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So keeping the Sabbath is about remembering. Remembering what God has done in the history of the world. Remembering what God has done for his people. Remembering what God has done for you. And in fact, Israel was commanded that the Sabbath was not only a day to remember personally what God has done, but it was a day for 
the assembly of Israel, the, the sacred assembly, to gather together and corporately spend some time remembering what God has done. We read this in the book of Leviticus. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. They gathered to remember. Now think that through. When we gather together every Sunday, what do we do? We sing songs that remind us of what God has done in our lives. We pray prayers remembering what God has done and asking God to do it again in our lives. We read God's Word, which reminds us of what God has done in the past and what we can trust Him to do in the future. When Christ's followers come together, we're remembering what God has done and looking forward to what He will do again. We're remembering what we just sang about a, a promise-keeping God who has kept promises in the past, is keeping them now, and will keep them in the future. The habit of remembering what God has done is so important for us. It's, it's critical that we do that. Why? Because the culture we live in, the society we live in, tells us to think about you, to think about you as supreme, to think about you as the most important thing in the world, to, to focus on what you need, what you want, what you're doing, whatever it is. But when we gather together as followers of Jesus, when we sing to him, when we pray to him, when we read scripture, we're remembering that we have an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God who has been with us and is with us and will be with us. It's this idea that we're doing something sacred together when we gather to remember. You know, last week we studied the habit of worship. And, uh, you know, as we gathered, we, we sang songs worshiping God. We remembered why he was worthy of our worship. We prayed prayers about why he was worthy of our worship. We, we opened up the scripture and looked at how we should worship. And one of the things we talked about is that, that worship isn't just what we do on Sunday morning. Worship is how we live our lives every moment of the day. So this week, you know, as sort of an occupational hazard uh, for pastors is uh, I often experience either when I'm preparing a message or after a message has been preached that whatever I'm preaching about, I'm going to have to deal with personally in my life. And uh, this week was no different. Um, this week I, I had a, a very important relationship in my life sort of blow up and create some pain and hurt. And I, to be honest with you, I was pretty depressed about it. And in that depression... I remembered what we heard God say last week. Praise me in the good times on the mountaintops and praise me in the depressing times, the valleys low. And because of what we remembered about God last week, God reminded me in the midst of that to praise him. I remembered what God had said to us. So you see why it's so important that we gather together as a sacred assembly, that we gather together and remember what God has done and claim his promises about what he's going to do. So the Sabbath is a day to remember, but it's not only a day to remember. The Sabbath is also, as we see in Scripture, a day to observe. Let's go back to Exodus 20. Remember to observe the Sabbath day. 
by keeping it holy. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Observing the Sabbath is about setting it apart from all the other days. To be holy is to be set apart. God is holy because he's set apart from us. He's different than us. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are set apart from the rest of the world that doesn't follow Jesus Christ. It's not that we're better than anybody else. It's that we have said we believe that Jesus lived and died and rose again, and we're going to follow him. And so we're set apart as his followers, okay? We're not better than anybody else. So Keeping the Sabbath is a day of observing it, remembering that is a day to be holy, that it's supposed to be set apart to do other things. At the last sec- uh, verse in that section with the fourth commandment, it says this, that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. It would be a day that it would be different than everything else. It would be a day that we intentionally rest from our labors. It would be a day that we would intentionally Remember what God has done with us. It would be a day that we would intentionally focus on God. It would be a day different from all the other days of the week. Now, when we think about that, it's really important as followers of Jesus Christ that we set apart that day in our personal relationship with God, that that we recognize that he's called us to remember this day and observe it. But it's also important that as followers of Jesus Christ, that we do that corporately, that we gather as his followers and set this time aside as the body of Christ. Now, what we can understand here is what I'm talking about from the Ten Commandments is what we call the Old Covenant. And Jesus came and he brought a new covenant. So how does this match up? Well, remember this. When Jesus came and he brought the new covenant, he uh, wanted us to understand how important our relationship with God was. So once when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment, he didn't go back to one of the Ten Commandments. He actually went back to something called the Shema, which all of Israel would understand. And the Shema basically said that we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And then he said, and there's a second one just like it. So, you know, you got, uh, you got a BOGO, okay? You got to buy one, get one from me. He said, you know, I love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then there's a second, which is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he said something really powerful, okay? He said that all of the law, the Jewish law, and all of the teaching of the prophets hang on these two commands. In in other words, if we love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, then we're going to keep all the 613 laws of Judaism. We're going to follow what the prophets said. If if we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we're going to keep all of the law and follow all the prophets. It's simple, but it's not easy. All right? He said... If you do this, you're going to keep everything. So when we think about Jesus telling us that and we remember that uh, we are given the Sabbath as a day that's set apart, we realize that if we spend 
that day thinking about how we love God and love others, that we're, we're keeping all of the commands that God has ever given us. But that being said, there's more to this command about Sabbath keeping than you see at face value. You see, observing the Sabbath isn't just about keeping one of the Ten Commandments. It's also about following a divine pattern of taking care of human lives, taking care of yourself. And that's the third thing that we need to see about Sabbath keeping. It's a day for you. That's right. It's a day for you. One day, Jesus was challenged about his own Sabbath-keeping, and we're going to read this story in the Gospel of Mark, and this is what we read. On one Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the Scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry. David went into the house of God during the days of Abathar when he was the high priest, and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over, over the Sabbath. There's a lot going on here in this tension over the Sabbath between Jesus and the Pharisees. So here's what we need to know. Keeping the Sabbath was a big deal to the Jewish religious leaders, okay? It was basically their religious trump card. And the way Jesus observed the Sabbath was always a point of contention for the Jewish leaders. Now, think this through. Because Jesus', um, Jesus practice was depend, to depend on God for provision while he was traveling, uh, he and his disciples often had to draw upon their right... From other, to eat from other people's fields what they needed for the moment. So if you know the Jewish law, you know in uh, Judaism that people who grew grain were commanded in the book of Deuteronomy to uh, not harvest the grain from the corners of the fields. They were supposed to leave grain there so that people in need could harvest it and have something to eat. And so uh, that's what Jesus was doing. And, and when they pick this grain and uh, when they do what they need to do to eat it and think this one through, and this is going to sound uh, uh, really legalistic, but when you pick grain, if you know anything about it, you, you get uh, both the head of grain and you get the, the shell or the chaff and you know, they have machines today that separate the, the grain from the chaff, but in those days, if you're picking it by hand, you would just rub it in your hand until the chaff breaks away, and you can blow it away, and you can eat the grain. And that's what the disciples were doing. And according to the Pharisees, this was harvesting, and this was working on the Sabbath. And that's what they were going after Jesus for because in that culture, a teacher, a rabbi, was also held accountable for the actions of his students. And so that's why they were challenging Jesus. 
Because they were saying he was violating the Sabbath rule. And in their custom, a violation of the Sabbath was punishable by death. So Jesus' response to them is so insightful and so deep. The first thing he says is, haven't you read? In other words, haven't you read our own scriptures? Haven't you actually studied the Bible? I mean, what you're trying to enforce is tradition. What you're trying to enforce is a human law based on something that's in Scripture. You've added to it. And he says, haven't you read about what happened with, with King David when uh, he and his men were out of food? And they actually went into the tabernacle. That was the portable temple before the temple was built. And there had been bread that had been given as an offering. And that bread was to be saved and eaten by the priest who worked there. But David and his men ate that bread because they were in need. And, and Jesus is trying to point out to the religious leaders that the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. So he demanded that they look at their scriptures. He demanded that they looked and see that observing the Sabbath is an expression of God's mercy, recognizing that we as humans have limited capacity, and that requires us to care for our bodies and our minds and rest them. See, the Pharisees were actually demeaning the Sabbath. Why were they demeaning it? Because they were robbing it. They were removing from it the rest that it was supposed to give, and they were actually adding to it more difficulty and more things to do, more work to keep the Sabbath. And Jesus is basically saying to them, listen, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, and the Sabbath is made for people, not people for the Sabbath. To me, that's the most important part of that verse where, where Jesus says, the Sabbath is made to meet the needs of people. You see, Jesus understood why God gave us the Sabbath. He gave us the Sabbath so we could rest, so we could renew, so we could restore, so our bodies could get a break, so our minds could take a rest, so our souls could be restored and renewed. You know, growing up as a kid, you know, seeing those blue laws, uh, you know, seeing my dad who wouldn't mow the grass on Sunday, for me, it was, it had become a legalistic thing, a thing of what not to do. Um, I would have told you as a young kid, Sundays are boring, um, you know, because, uh, I mean, I could play, uh, but it just seemed like there were so many things that were off limits because we couldn't do them. Ultimately, we need to understand that, that the Sabbath was given to us to meet our needs. And, and so if, if you do an activity on your Sabbath-keeping day that renews your mind, restores your body, and feeds your soul, then you can do it. If you use that day to remember 
what God has done for you and is doing, and you set it aside as holy to, to do something that will allow you to remember what God has done and allow it to renew your body, then you're keeping the Sabbath. You, you know, maybe this is the most insightful thing, and honestly, I, I had to have a book pointed out to me. This same passage of Scripture that we read in Mark is also in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12. It starts off in, first, in the first verse of chapter 12. But what I didn't realize until somebody pointed it out to me was how chapter 11 ends. Now, just remember, um, there were no chapters and verses when the scriptures were given to us, so it would have flown freely. So let me read to you how chapter 11 of Matthew ends. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you think about keeping the Sabbath, think about that verse. Think about uh, coming to Jesus in your weariness from your six days of work and the burden that your mind has had from what you have to do and trust him to give you rest as you set it aside as a day to remember what he's done and remember that he's promised to restore you. Uh, spend some time thinking about the fact that following Jesus, uh, his yoke is gentle and it's easy and his burden is light. Following those words of Jesus is life-giving. So if you ask me, I would say that that portion of that verse in Mark 28 is so important. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. You see, Jesus wants us to understand that, that God gave us the Sabbath to bless us. He gave us the Sabbath to rest and to restore our bodies and to rest and restore our minds, and to rest and restore our souls. God wants it to be more than a habit, quite frankly. He wants it to be a rhythm of life for his followers, that we work, but then we come away and rest and remember what he's done. Now, it's okay to look at Sabbath keeping as a habit. Um, it's fine to do so, but... Here's what I would ask you to do. As you think about this habit of Sabbath keeping, ask yourself these questions. Is my life out of rhythm? Is it out of balance? Sabbath keeping is meant to restore that balance, that rhythm. Am I constantly going all the time? Am I working too much? Am I neglecting my body? my mind, my soul. You see, you and I weren't meant to go all the time. Our creator knows that. He created us. And he modeled Sabbath rest. He modeled setting aside a day to remember and to observe and to grow in our relationship. Following that divine rhythm is what God wants for us. So let me get a little practical Every week, we've challenged you to a sticky note challenge. In other words, to, to try this habit this week. And so this week's sticky note challenge is very simple. Pick a day, pick a time, and 
plan a Sabbath rest for this coming week. Put it on your calendar or put it on that sticky note in a place that you'll remember it so that you can intentionally prepare for it. Remember how the Israelites had to prepare food before their Sabbath day? So you may have to do something to prepare for it. You may have to clear your calendar. You may have to, to plan to do something to remember, something to do something to restore your body, your mind, your soul. Now, you may have noticed uh, that I didn't say which day. I mean, ultimately, it'd be awesome if we could all take Sunday. But I realize that some of you, like my grandfather, have to work sometimes on Sundays. And that's okay. Just pick a day, pick a time, a place where you can set it aside for that Sabbath rest. Don't get legalistic about the day. Find that time where you can do what God calls you to do, to come away and remember what he has done for you and to set that time aside to restore and rest your body and your mind and your soul. So I just want to enter into a little bit of time of prayer. And I'm going to pray that we would be able to do this, but I'm going to give some silent time in that prayer. And during that silent time, I want you to talk to God about Sabbath keeping and your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Lord, we, we thank you that, that you care not only uh, uh, about our salvation and our eternal rest, but you also care about our earthly rest. And so, Lord, thank you for the gift of Sabbath. Thank you for the gift of Sabbath. And, Lord, I, I pray that we would lean into that gift and remember all that you've done for us and that we would lean into it and observe it so that we can be rested and renewed and restored as your sons and daughters and walk in the fullness of life as we figure out that balance. And so now, Lord, hear our own personal prayers about the Sabbath. Father, we thank you that you are uh, the perfect parent who cares for the fullness of your human sons and daughters. Thank you for the gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus, and thank you for the gift of Sabbath rest for our earthly days. We say this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.